Welcome to Spiritually Raw. We expose and explore controversial truths, myths, and theories surrounding the spirit world. Guests include investigators, debunkers, and skeptics of the supernatural, unexplained, and flat-out unimaginable. Content discussed on this show is not necessarily the opinion of the cast of Spiritually Raw, and topics quite often are for mature audiences only. This show is not intended to replace any medical, financial, or legal advice, and is for entertainment purposes only. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Hey, everybody, what's going on? I know you have a show to watch. So let me get real quick into this with you. Okay, so Ascended Masters, you're watching right now, browse, select, ascend. It's very easy to use. All you have to do is scroll down here, you're going to see the different categories, sessions, courses, products, entertainment, books, conscious business growth. All you do is you simply click on the category that's resonating with you or that you're in need of. And you're going to see a video directory of some of the greatest minds out there. And within five to seven minutes, you'll find out who that person is, what their style is, and if they're going to help you on your your journey call life. It's a very easy, very easy formula to follow right here. And also too, if you're one of those who does have a product or service that you think that will be a benefit to others, and you'd like to be on Ascended Masters, our email is in the description below. It's askspirituallyrawgmail.com. We'll set up a time to chat and see how you can make a difference in the world for people. So hope you're enjoying the site, everybody. Thanks for sharing this and much love to you. And most importantly, enjoy the show. We'll see you next time. Hello, everybody. How are you? And welcome to Spiritually Raw. Thank you, as always, for your energy exchange with us today. And we hope you woke to the most miracle morning and are also having the most fortunate day today. Very cool story about a trip to Antarctica. <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of other things, too. But we have Mr. Brad Olson here. He is going to be hanging out with us today, our soul brother. And just uh, April, will let you know about Brad in just a second. Thank you, everybody, for staying connecting with us. Of course, our links are always in the description below to stay connected with us. And again, if you haven't subscribed, it's that big red button usually. <laughs> Hit it, and uh, that'll be subscribed and turn on the notification bell. So you please share the video as well. That one too. Yep, yep, yep. So uh, thank you all for that. And uh, Brad, yeah. Yes, I'm so excited. Welcome, Brad, to the show. We're super excited to have you here today. And uh, for those of you that are like, hmm, this guy looks a little bit familiar. Well, yeah, probably because you've seen him on, on TV and all over the place. <laughs> so let me tell you a little bit about who is Brad Olson. He's an award-winning author, and he's written over 10 books, including three in his esoteric series, Modern Esoteric, Future Esoteric, and his newly released Beyond Esoteric. He's a keynote um, speaker and his presentation and interviews enlighten worldwide audiences to include Ancient Aliens, America on Earth, Beyond Belief, Book of Secrets, Mystery of the Outdoors, and that's just to name a few. I could go on and on and on. Um, if you'd like to purchase the books, all the links are going to be in the description. We can also check them out at esotericseries.com. Brad also has a 16-episode TV show called Antarctica by Sale. Very cool. Very cool. That was just released on uh, Spy, uh, Spy TV. TV. Again, the links will be in the description. And for those of you that are going to be attending the Sedona Ascension Retreat, March 18th to the 21st, Brad will also be a keynote speaker. All right, Mr. Brad Olson, welcome. How are you? Hey, guys, I'm doing great. Nice to have this talk with you both, April and Jay, on Spiritually Raw. I've known about your show for quite a long time, so I'm really Aww. glad to uh, be a part of it. Well, thank you very thank much. Much you. love to you. And thank, uh, thank you. you for your life's journey. And uh, so let's learn about that and see how, you know, what you've gone through, what you're going through, what you're creating can help others on their journey called life. Antarctica, that's always been a fascinating thing. You know, we, we, we do it, but 
what draws one to Antarctica? It's freezing. <laughs> let's, let's 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 go right there if I can with you. What draws what draws one there? And you know, what did you get out of that? What did you learn from there? So I was down there uh, three years ago, exactly three years ago. We were just about ready to get on the boat. What drew me there was, well, I travel the world quite extensively, and this was the seventh continent to visit to round out the big seven. Uh, but I was very interested in what we heard might be down there, such as antediluvian civilizations with pyramids poking through the ice to three massive crafts to under ice bases and also what the Nazis were doing down there and, and a whole bunch of other things that um, I just was asking a lot of questions, not only to all the uh, research stations we went to, six total, but also before the trip at the uh, Ushuaia Argentina Yacht Club. I was talking to captains and other people who had been down there on yachts and stuff. And the, the area of Antarctica that I went to, and it was a 26-day trip, so just wow. about a month. yeah on a sailboat <laughs> and, no and we had some pretty heavy seas on the way down because what, what uh, month do you go is it reverse is it winter there when yeah. it's summer here and vice versa exactly so it was three years ago exactly this month that we got on the boat uh, middle january and, and got back uh, middle february and How so long did it take to get there well, it took uh, four days, just a little under four days, 92 hours. And uh, uh, the captain and the crew were, were from Poland. There were three Americans, myself, my partner, Emily Infinity at the time, and another American. And we just got on by inquiring, by being down there. It was originally gonna be a cruise on a big ship, and but people still get seasick on those but we got really seasick on ours. Oh, well, how yeah. big, first of all, wait, let's backtrack. How big was <laughs> or small was the boat? And um, was it the time that you, like, uh, because it was so turbulent or it was just, you were such, you were on it for such a long extended period of time? Well, it was a 72 foot sailboat and we were under sail for a good majority of the trip. We did have a motor, of course, and and we wanted to get through. So funny story because the Polish crew it was their very first time we were a little delayed getting out of Ushuaia because of the tide so the keel of the boat was stuck on the first day and we didn't really get out until the evening so as we were going through the Beagle Channel which was named after uh, Darwin's ship and he passed through that area oh it was great there were dolphins swimming by we saw penguins I put my arm around Emily I'm like oh this is gonna be such a fun trip Oh. As soon as we turned the corner uh, out of um, Terra del Fuego into the Southern Ocean, it is the most stormiest oh. sea in the world. It's where the Pacific and the Atlantic conjunction, and it's also an upwelling of a lot of nutrients. That's why Antarctica underwater is one of the richest uh, life zones in the world and part of sure. the treaty is protected. But so our crew had never been down there before. And so they wanted to make up some time. And they said, well, there's this storm, but it's way ahead of us. We're just going to catch the tailwind and get down there faster. 
Well, we did get down there faster, but they underestimated that storm and the waves and uh. it was like nothing I've ever seen. My dad used to own a sailboat in the Virgin Islands and we sailed around the Great Lakes and stuff and nothing compared to what we went through. I mean, just- So, so was, it, was it four days of seasickness? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, wow. That oh just my, God. <laughs> I lost 25 pounds on that trip. I'm no sure kid. you did. <laughs> so when your thought process of going on there, were you were you thinking like, holy crap, man, I, I can't believe what we did? Or were you like, no, we're just going, we're just going, we're going to get to the other side of this. Like, 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 what was even your state of mind throughout all that? <laughs> well, that was my state of mind. We're just going to get through it. Now, Emily, she was kind of uh, freaking out. She had not had much sailing experience. And I told her, look, as long as the boat is not taking on water, we're going to get through this. And the boat never did take on water, but we got hit by a couple waves that just sent everything flying. And by that point, we were both uh, losing our gut and uh, just had to ride it through. That was the only yeah, way. Holy smoke, man. That's, that's and, insane. And then, and then when you finally arrive there, um, first of all, what is the temperature like? And are like um did you kiss does anybody, the ice? yeah did, for, did you kiss the ground number one um <laughs> do people live there well there's there's only research bases there have never been a population of people there ever until it was discovered and, and year-round bases were established and even in the the winter down there which is again opposite ours there's only a thousand people on the whole continent Wow. So we hear all this that, oh, the planet's so overpopulated. Well, first of all, it's 71% water. Right. And then you have the fifth largest continent in the world with only a thousand people on it. Right. In the winter, so. <laughs> is it, is it, can, can one live, technically live there throughout the year? I mean, and you know, where would they, what do they eat and how do they That's even survive, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, everything has to be brought in first of all, but yeah, they, they have the technology and living quarters that you can live down there. If you have to go outside, you have to absolutely cover every inch of skin or you could get frostbite within really within a minute. So it's this right was bad. in the summer. So it's sub-zero in the summertime. Well, so, well, we got down there. It was mostly wearing winter clothes every day. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not going to try to uh, make it sound great, but there were two days where it was actually warm enough that we... Uh, shed the winter clothes and we're sitting on the deck of the boat in our bathing suits and wow. we actually did the uh, polar plunge a couple times too and that's swimming among the uh, icebergs and the penguins and stuff you did do that that's huh? one yeah, hell of an adventure that is cool well yes not a lot of people can i'm sure tell that story right um, you know so when you hit the water i mean what was that <laughs> I mean, how, is it is it just like wow you like can't you imagine i would imagine right so I was looking at the, the highest temperatures that ever occur, and it's only really about 60 degrees. But it's after you wear uh, winter clothes the whole time, it feels pretty good to get some sun and take them off. Yeah. So it was sure. one of those two sunny days, and uh, yeah, you touch the water and it's freezing. But <laughs> like, uh, you know, the Wim Hof technique where he yeah. and he goes into the... You, you know, you get used to it. And it was kind of a dunk in and get out. Okay, we did it. <laughs> the next cool. time we did it two times was at the uh, Ukrainian base called Vernansky. And they actually had a sauna, which they cranked oh, up cool. really high. So yeah. you get totally sweating and then go down a little ladder and jump in and then get back in the sauna. Got it. So they, they help you contrast a bit in there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now you're, you're in Antarctica. 
um, who's around and what, what are you doing? Did you have a, was there, was a, like, are you going on a tour and what would you be seeing when you get there? Right. Well, we were on a sailboat with 14 of us. And uh, the last day I started feeling good enough to go up and do watch. And we all took turns, just more eyeballs watching out for uh, icebergs. And mm -hmm. that was the first thing we saw. We're just the size of the merchandise mart in Chicago, where I'm originally from. Wow. Um, one of the biggest buildings in the world, right? Just floating with a flat top that broke off one of the ice shelves. That's amazing. So we saw that first and then we finally sighted land. It was uh, one of the islands off of the Palmer Peninsula called King George Island. And that was our destination. And we came around in the middle of the night, we dropped anchor right off of a base uh, that was run by Polish citizens called Artowski. So the very next morning, we all, we had a, a dinghy, a, a Zodiac boat and we'd go ashore and <laughs> We didn't quite kiss the ground, but surely felt like doing so because terra firma is so much different than when you're just rocking and rolling mm. the whole time. And so we brought them fresh fruit and vegetables, which you're very grateful for. They don't have that opportunity to get yeah. fruit like that produce. And they invited us in and we um, we had prearranged meetings. They must have been so happy to see people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were especially bearing uh, fruit exactly <laughs> literally right wow wow so so the so the the facilities there so with the 14 people that went there Brad that was prearranged and did they all did they put all 14 of you were you all designated to be in one specific lodging scenario or was it different people different pockets throughout actually for all 26 days we on slept the on the boat because oh, right. wow okay but we went ashore and they let us take a shower. Boy, was that one of the best showers I've ever had. I'm sure. And then, um, they, they were scientists there largely studying uh, three penguin groups that lived in one spot, which is pretty rare. Usually they separate. And so we did a tour walking around and saw the penguin colony. Another day uh, we walked up to a big glacier and saw that and then um, they also let us get on the internet it was one and only time just tell everybody hey we made it here we're safe yeah and then and then that night we had a party the the one night we were there and um they they like to drink their vodka like a lot of <laughs> sure it reminds me of your background they broke out the blue ice and blue ice is created I've when it's heard of the under blue pressure ice. and it's very old mm -hmm. and they used it in in our mixed drinks Cool. As soon as they put it in there, it started popping like popcorn. It had all these little air bubbles in it. So that was kind of cool. And we eventually uh, used that technique and went to the glacier and chip, chip, chipped off our own blue ice for our own drinks. That's fantastic, That's man. That's... God bless you on your experience there. So when now, when you're there now on the search, okay, so you had this, I would imagine you had this thought process of, okay, we're going to go to Antarctica. Maybe this is what we might come across. How similar was it for you or basically realistic was it for you when you got there based on what your perception was and or, or how different was it? I mean, how much was how much was your perception changed of when you actually saw it than what you maybe imagined it to be? It's a great question. A lot of it was pretty much what I thought of frozen continent. It's over 99% covered in ice and glaciers. We had the opportunity of seeing calving, which are the glaciers that collapse. 
when we're on the boat and, and uh, the first thing you see it and then you hear it and then here come the waves. And so we have to always get the boat straight into the waves. So we just rock through it. If it hits you on the side, it can create damage. We already sustained damage on the way down and lost the second dinghy. So we didn't want to lose any more of our supplies or, or hurt the boat. And the boat did get some damage done, uh, about $7,000 in damage. I'm sure. Um, on the way down there from, from getting those big waves. And a couple of guys actually got hurt when they were on watch. We got slammed by this one wave. And had they not been strapped in, uh, one of them would have been overboard. And you, you uh. cannot live very long with hypothermia. <laughs> So it's dangerous and, and it was, but that's part of the adventure. Um, it was one of the hardest trips I've ever taken. And, but when I was there, we were on the, the deck one day and I was, we were looking around. I'm like, you notice the only colors you see are blue, black, and white. Mm -hmm. The blue of the ocean, the blue of the sky, the white of the clouds, the white of the glaciers and the black of the mountains. There are these really dramatic mountains if you've ever been up towards aspen there are the maroon bells it just reminded me that just these granite rock faces with glaciers coming through i mean just the the beauty was unbelievably spectacular once we got into the channels it was quite uh quite easy sailing but the the animals too are mostly black and white the we had whales that swam under the boat even I mean, they were, they just had no fear of humans because there's just so few that go down there. Right, they're like, oh, it's people. Everything's <laughs> yeah. black and white and the seals are black and white. So everything was kind of black, white, and blue. And that sort of yeah. struck me as odd. No browns, no greens. There are no trees that grow anywhere there and really no animals. So the biggest land animal is just a tiny little cricket-like insect. And it's only mosses and algae and uh, lichen are the only kind of uh, land uh, that grows. Yeah, oh, right. Um, Brad, so <clears throat> what was the energy of Antarctica, Antarctica actually like? Was it, um, what, was it very spiritual in nature or was it more like very mysterious and kind of almost creepy-like? That's a great question, April. It, it kind of reminded me of being off planet, if no we kidding. can imagine that yeah. being on Earth, because it was just so foreign. Every, all the sights and the scenes and the animals and and just uh, the the life underwater. So there was another a trip from Poland that was sailing concurrently with us, and we knew them from before we left. And there were some friends on both ships. And so we met up with them and they were all scuba divers and they let us uh, see their video and footage. They were doing wreck oh dives under the glacier dives. Wow. And, and the life down there, and I'm a scuba diver myself, been to uh, many coral reefs around the world. I'll tell you, the life underneath the water is more colorful or as colorful as any coral reef. It was just spectacular. And then like these stick kind of crab figures that were fluorescent orange and so many things. So that is one of the episodes in the 16 part Antarctica by Sail series on SciSpy about uh, the scuba divers and what they saw. That's pretty cool. The the bases there, Brad. The what are they? What are they? What are they there for? What are they looking for? 
Um, and and do, you know, did you find that they had different purposes, or are they all looking at the same thing? No, they were all they're all different in in different ways, and different countries supported them. So it was Polish Arktowski, and then we went Gonzalez Chile, uh, Brown Argentina. Um, Port Lockroy is now a museum, but it was one of the British. Well, it was more like a spy station during the time of the Nazis. The, the Americans didn't even know about Port Lockroy. They didn't even tell anybody, but they were there spying on the Third Reich, who was mm -hmm. on the other side of the Palmer Peninsula in the, uh, now it's called Queen Maudland, but they knew it as New Schwabenland. And then we went to Vernansky and the American base, Palmer base. And, and really, Palmer is the the largest and it is a research station they're doing a lot of uh, climate observations and also watching what happens with the animals with the uh changing weather and and it is changing down there but this is a paradox and i, I do a presentation at conferences called the hidden anomalies of antarctica and i start out with this nasa image of the continent that shows some areas are heating up and it's melting the ice and it and new islands are being exposed they never knew it was there kind of like the piri reese map from 1519 which showed all these islands off the coast of antarctica now they're covered nice but they're coming out but that map also shows areas where it's actually cooling down and so somehow mother nature just has this sense of warming here cooling there and it's probably why the uh sea levels hasn't risen so dramatically it's pretty much the same as it's been. Yeah. Um, so the million dollar question is, Brad, what the hell is really going on in Antarctica <laughs> or under the sea, number one. But number two. Um, Two million dollar questions. No, no, this is just a regular one. <laughs> I get three. Uh, <laughs> um, did you have to go through any type of a because, the, you know, when you think of Antarctica, the first thing you think of, you're not allowed to go to Antarctica. Not true. I did. Right. And so you I didn't have, have any kind. What's that? Well, I, I talked to an outfitter company that does uh, customized trips. Uh, they had an office in uh, in Chile, which I visited, and another one in Salt Lake City, which I visited. So I went to them twice because I was talking to a, a production crew about maybe going down there and, and doing some... Uh, professional footage, create a series um, with them. So, so would needed... they have let you do that? Yes, it would. Really? Now, now, I should preface this by saying, one thing I found, there are areas that are no-go zones, zones, but not the whole continent, including right around the South Pole is a ginormous no-fly zone for hundreds of miles in all directions. And up there on the polar plateau, there's nothing around. It's just the biggest sheet of ice on the planet, two miles thick. And it just spans the majority of the whole continent. So why do you have to have a no-fly zone? They say it's for scientific purposes, but it extends so far away from the Amundsen-Scott South Pole Research Station that it does lead one to believe that that is where the massive hole is in the ice. Mm -hmm. Did you see anything extraterrestrial while you were there? Well, I didn't with my own eyes, but one of the uh, 
people that was a marine biologist at the uh, Argentinian base. He didn't want to tell us. And then his colleague says, no, no, you can't tell them. But we kept on this guy. And what did you see? What did you see? Because we were all, I was always asking, do you see anything paranormal? Anything, know anything about these craft under the ice? Which the intelligence agencies have nicknamed Nina, Pinta, and Santa Maria, the three ship names of Christopher Columbus. Mm -hmm. Three massive ships under the ice, presumably. Hmm. I do uh, reproduce some of those images as well as some of the Antarctica information in my book, Beyond Esoteric. And here's uh, what one of those could look like. Oh. A map of the Nazi region, New Schwabenland, including the top one where they would get the U-boats under the ice. Also in my presentation, I show maps of what Antarctica would look like without the ice. And there are 100 mile fjords that extend into the continent. So if you know where you're going, you can go really deep into the interior of Antarctica with a submarine. And I think the Nazis did that. And that's how they located their base 211, the, the new Berlin base, which was mm -hmm. post-World War II going to be where uh, some of these members in the technology went. You know, but Brad, what are you, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say that, that the, the person on the Argentinian base, he finally told Emily and I that they had a sighting at another one of the bases, another Argentinian base called Belgrano too, which happens to be very near the uh, Nazi New Schwabenland border. And they said they saw some craft and orbs only a few weeks before we were there. And it was kind of interdepartmental banter that uh, it got to these guys at, at mm -hmm. a different place. And then they told us. What do you think with Antarctica is the, the mystique or the theory of the treasure trove that is there? You know, what do you think that is? What, what is, what is there that people think, okay, if I go there, I'm going to find this. What, what, what do you, what is that? I'm, I don't know. That may be different things for different people, but generally what is this that they're looking for? Well, certainly I had that wishful thinking myself, Jay, thinking, oh, I'll go down there and we'll find out how to get to one of these crafts and we'll make this great <laughs> discovery and we got our camera rolling and so forth. But it's a massive continent. So the distances are vast. Right. If you were to say, go to these GPS coordinates, you can do it. The, the adventure company assured me you can, um, but it'll, it'll cost you. Because mm -hmm. everything has to be flown in. Everything uh, is very expensive day to day. So um, I guess the mystique, Jay, is, is just this otherworldly feeling. And, and it is, Antarctica is the most volcanically active continent in the world. There's 91 known volcanoes. Oh, that's volcanoes. In, that's wow. very interesting. Yeah, you, would, very interesting. you would never even associate that. No, you wouldn't. And, and we went and visited one. We could have gone, uh, stripped our clothes off and, and laid down in a hot spring, but the tide was coming up and it was getting colder in Antarctica. <laughs> yeah. It was even in the Lonely Planet book. That's how we found the hot spring at this uh, old um, whaling station uh, in, in Deception Island, which is an active volcano. And there's just one little passage to get through. And it sunk many a ships. It's very treacherous to get in, but once you're in, you're in a protected bay and there are research stations, but it last erupted in the 1960s and destroyed everything, including this old whaling station. But it, it, it's sort of just this area that, that looks like it could chew you up and spit you out. 
Yeah. You go overboard, you're dead within minutes. If you get stuck there, you're dead within weeks as soon as you run out of food and water. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's just a land fraught with danger. And I mean, that's part of the excitement, I guess, to see it. And, and just this forbidden landscape that very, very few humans ever see. It's like 0.0002% of humans that are alive on the planet have ever been to Antarctica. So wow. it's, it's very otherworldly. Mm -hmm. uh, it is. You play the lottery. <laughs> Seriously. <Yeah. laughs> Let me know what numbers you use, man, for real. <laughs> um, what's your thoughts on, you know, you hear, okay, so Antarctic, number one, are you a flat earther or are you a sphere, number one? And number two, the flat earthers have, um, their theory is that Antarctica covers the entire globe. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I, I, I don't well, want to well, blow up your comment section, but I've been around the world in one direction and ended up where I started. And I've been to uh, one degree from the Antarctic Circle. And I've also been to Trondheim, Norway, which is very close to the Arctic Circle. So I've been top to bottom and all around, and it's very round in my <laughs> experience. So, <laughs> all right. So, would you say, on a nutshell, though, Antarctica? Would you say you being all around, top to bottom, around and around? Would you say that probably is the closest to another world, if you would, like another legitimate world out there than anything that you've experienced? Yeah, yeah. bar none, huh? That raised the bar for you. Wow. That, all right. So here's the next million dollar question: Would you go back? Well, I would, but I wouldn't want to foot the bill. It's expensive to go. Yeah. Uh, I would want to fly in, <laughs> preferably, because the seas are very rough. Even 50% of cruise ship people uh, get seasick. So mm -hmm. the Southern Ocean is not to be uh, taken lightly. It's very rough oceans and, again, fraught with danger. There are icebergs everywhere, and they have had cruise ships that have hit an iceberg like the Titanic and went down. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's dangerous and especially yeah. a small sailboat that we were in. It's like, what have we gotten ourselves into? But we pulled in it off. Scheme of things, 72 feet is not large. Not too large. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, now, how does that tie into or does it all to the Inca people? Well, I don't think Antarctica ties in with the Incan. They, they didn't really know about it. You know who did know about it was the ancient Greeks, and that's where the name Antarctica comes from. The original name was uh, Arctos, is a star constellation in the northern hemisphere, up close near where the uh, the North Star is. It's it, so it can be seen most times of the year in the northern hemisphere, and they presumed that because the continental landmass was pretty heavy in the northern hemisphere, that there must be a southern continent. And the ancient Greeks named it Antarctica. That means the opposite of Arctur. So it wasn't until the very first um, sailors who were going down there to hunt seals after Captain Cook, he did a circumnavigation, another way to prove that the flat earth is incorrect, because he sailed it in short order, not a long, long trip as would be seen on a flat earth map but he never saw the land. He never caught sight of the land, but he wrote in his memoirs that it was very rich with whales and seals. So it was the very first sealers in 1821. So this is actually the 200th anniversary 
of the first modern humans setting foot and discovering Antarctica. And they were going down there to, to hunt the seals and whales. Mm-hmm. You're, uh, you're gonna be at this event in Sedona and you're gonna be talking, you're gonna be you know, sharing this with a lot of people and a lot of people, you know, again, all the links will be in the description below everybody where you can attend that. But can you tell us what, you're, what you hope to really communicate with everybody when you're there? What, what, in, what, what, is, what, what is the message you want for them to get out of your, out of your message really when you're there? Well, like you guys, you have some great questions here. It's really a, a land of mystery. And I think a lot of people are just curious, like you've been, what did it take to get down there? What was it like? What did you see? What were you uh, researching or trying to find out? So I just kind of want to give people a general overview of what it's like to be there. I talk about the uh, research stations and some of the science that they do every year, uh, including collecting meteorites. It's the largest receptacle of meteorites coming in from outer space in the world because it's a just a great big white plateau. So you can see these rocks when they fall. That's uh, pretty wild. Yeah, and, and unlike the ocean where they're lost as soon as they hit the water or very hard to find in a forest or any other region. Mm-hmm. So there's some real science that's going on down there. And then the second half of my talk I get into all the mysteries about the hole in the ice, Admiral Byrd flying over it and discovering it and seeing how huge it was and taking his plane into it and around and out to the Nazi base and what they were there for and the battle of high jump. And so all the all the presumed things that are there. And I'll just let the audience make up their own mind. So um, what's left on your bucket list, Brad? (laughs) geez guys it's still a pretty big world out there i got a bunch of countries that i want to get to but unfortunately right now it's so hard to travel internationally yeah quarantine for two weeks and that takes time and go through borders and you got to go through a bunch of rigmarole so i'm kind of waiting for things to to open up again and and just doing a lot of domestic travel Uh, i like road tripping i like jumping in my uh four by four and going and discovering hot springs and skiing which i'm gonna oh, do normal people time stuff time. right <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know i tell you all we got is uh you know someone else's journey to help us in our journey called life man so we appreciate you going to that level mm-hmm. literally that extreme if you would to just kind of share what's out there and to share with people that's pretty cool i want to thank you for your service for doing that and um everybody just definitely check out brad's stuff here check out the series uh it's going to be, I'm sure, as fascinating as you, you know, we're finding this conversation. I'm sure you're going to love it. And again, all the links will be in the description for his event there. So thank you, my brother. It's, it's really great to meet your spirit here today. Much love to you. Oh, much love to you guys, too. Thanks for having me on Spiritually Raw. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, you thank got you. it. Thank you so much. And together we are turning the universal key to global harmony and creating a unified world. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, tune in often. Tell all your friends. And most importantly... May all your dreams come true. Many blessings. We'd like to share a story. While it may sound fictional, it's very real and happening right now in front of our very eyes. It's called The Great Awakening. Our sisters and brothers that come on Spiritually Raw are doing everything to help expand global consciousness. And in many cases, putting everything on the line to share their messages about what's happening around the world for the greater good of humanity. We are living in the most unbelievable times. Some may even say biblical. 
scary for many and yet exhilarating for others. Together we are taking part in getting everyone acclimated to the great awakening process and the exciting new discoveries that lie ahead. The sad part is many of our amazing guests are being heavily censored, socially shamed and outright banned on many platforms for exposing the truth and piercing the veil. By becoming a viewer, you bring your powerful energy towards this global movement of other truth seekers. If you're resonating with our show, please let us know by hitting the like button, sharing, subscribing, turn on the notification, and leave some comments. Together, we will turn the universal key to global harmony and create a unified world. And remember, tune in often, tell all your friends, and most importantly, may all your dreams come true. Thanks and God bless patriots worldwide. Hi, everybody. April and Jay here from Spiritually Raw. Welcome to Spiritually Raw Secrets to Broadcasting Riches. Now, uh, you're probably wondering, why did you guys put this course together? Well, this is truly a compilation of all of our experiences, our ups, our downs, our pitfalls, what's worked, what hasn't worked over the past 10 years. And the number one question that we continually get literally to this day is, how are you guys making money broadcasting. So we figured we'd put together a course because there's no better time than right now for everyone to get off the bleachers and start speaking to help raise the vibration of the planet. So we put together a course that is so easy to follow, but not only is it very easy to follow and it's, and it's our experiences, but in the course, you're going to meet six other people, no, actually 10 other people that took it along with us. They are are in the journey, you're going to, you're going to hear about their wins, their losses, their successes, their pitfalls, and what's preventing them or has prevented them from making money in the media world. So in addition to that, we also understand the fact that we, and we wanted to bring this element to the secrets to broadcasting, which is to you. So for those of you who are very serious about saying, okay, I need to give this a go. I got a voice out there. It's time for me to let that voice loose and share my truth with people. And you also need to know, okay, well, how do I do this so I can support my family? Family and make a business out of this, right? So we also tie in the spiritual aspect of it. So in the course, you will learn the specific steps that April and I use to that we connect with at a divine level to get that inspiration that really fuels us on a day-to-day -day basis that really gives us the creativity we need, that gives us the direction we need, and really also taps us into our future selves to give us the roadmap so we know that we know with predictability what the outcome of these are going to look like. And you will get that same essence and same feeling as we go through this together now this course is for everyone if you're a beginner and you have absolutely no idea where to start or you've been at it it could be for months or years and you're not just you're not feel like you're not gaining any financial traction the easiest way to get to where you want to be is find people or a mentor or experts in the area that you are looking to become an expert in and model what they're doing and model what they've done in the past. And this is exactly verbatim what we have done in this master course. We've done this for 10 years. We've taken a lot of that out of the way for you. So you don't have to go through that same 
journey that we have okay you can just go right there pass go collect your 200 bucks and hopefully a lot cut more out, out of it <laughs> cut out all the fat and everything that comes along with it this is a really great time right now we need people out there we need people out there that are expressing their voices because as you know this is what your truth is what will raise the vibration of the planet and if we can collectively raise this vibration together we are going to manifest everything that we're hearing out there and so do your part if this is on if this is on your radar right now to have your own show to continue your own show and really give it a blast off take this course you really want to take this course because it will give you every specific step that you need and if you like our style which you know you, you <laughs> probably are right now because you're watching it and much love and thank you for that then just we're sharing everything with you we're putting it all out there for you so click on the link below you know what, though? yeah don't take our word for it forget about everything we just said <laughs> All you have to do is go down and watch all the testimonials yeah. of the people that have already taken the course and then make your own decision from there. Yeah. All you have to do is watch the testimonials, click the link and away you go.